Welcome to Bulk's TV Talk, the podcast where we take a loving, longing look at TV and tell you this week, summer holidays are over, kids. It's time to go back to school. Since the dawn of time, man has searched far and wide for the best things on TV. What to watch. How to watch. Who's watching what. Free to wear this. VPN that. Plug in and listen to what other people think about what you are and are not watching. It's Mox TV Talk, the podcast, with your host, Steve Mock. I'm joined by Mark Humphreys, who is going to help me have a look at everything that is coming in the first quarter of 2016 on our Australian television screens and iPads and other things in which ways we consume them. Mark, good, uh, good afternoon, hello, evening, and Hello, Mark. Good morning. Uh, yes, hello. The, um, yeah, back to school. Those are the words that would uh, strike fear in the in the hearts of uh, any child. On it always felt like it was like back to like Boxing Day was back to school. Like mm-hmm. as soon as you know, once the presents are opened, Office Works is already advertising back to school. Lowe's have got the shirts and the shorts, and it's mm-hmm. just you know, even though technically the holidays still might have four weeks left, those companies are saying, no, nah, it's over. Just you're done. Yeah. Back to school, kids. It's cruel. Oh, we're even skipping Valentine's Day now. Hot cross buns are coming out pre-Christmas. <laughs> is, is, I don't even know if you're joking. I, I, that, that is so possible. I just don't know if that's, uh, if that's a joke or not. The internet will prove me right. Mark, <laughs> given that we are in back to school mode, let's just cover off on our holidays. Um, let's, let's, let's get a 30-word essay from you on what Mark Humphreys did and watched particularly over the holidays. Uh, well, Christmas Day was the entire uh, ten episodes of How to Make Sorry of um, Making a Murderer, I should say. And uh, so that was a very merry Christmas, uh, shouting at the screen uh, as the uh, American justice system collapsed in front of my eyes. Um, yeah, so that was that was a, that was that was fascinating, and uh, and I, I think I love whenever something is too successful. Is an, an inevitable backlash, and we're seeing a lot of that now. Um, we just can't all enjoy one thing together. We have to find fault every time. And look, and there probably are faults to be found, but it's just this, uh, this sort of cycle that we go through. Um, similarly, we you know like what happened with cereal. So that was that. I uh, f- for so long, people have been telling me that Parks and Recreation was the funniest show on TV. I never got around mm. to it. So now I'm doing it. And, uh, and and I am loving it. So that's uh, yep. uh, you know been a worthwhile investment. I've been going through the West Wing uh, yes. again, which is something which I never really got round to when it was on air. And I'm just I'm oh, still wow, in the... really. So this is a new experiment for you, the West Wing. Well, yeah. So I, I saw the first season when I was a kid, and I and I liked it as much as a kid can enjoy the West Wing. But now now yeah. that I know so much about politics, now that I'm such an expert. Uh, I, uh, yeah, no, I really, I really am loving that. And I'm still in the, the, the golden age, the, the Sorkin era. So, uh, you know, with the, you know, snappy crackling dialogue, um, mm. not that I, I imagine that it, it's still quality in future seasons, but I think, you know, the Sorkin element is just a cut above. Uh, so yeah, basically old, old stuff like that is the stuff. And then, uh, Deutschland 83 was, um, on Stan, which I yes. really recommend, um, and uh, which is a, a show about a, an East German spy sent over to West Germany um, in 1983, and just has a killer, 
killing uh, 1980 soundtrack that goes with it as well. Uh, so Spotify the shit out of that uh, once you're done with the series. Uh, what about you, Steve? What have you been watching? Oh, Mark, I, I'm with you. I think I joined the rest of the, the first world and watched uh, Making a Murderer. Yeah, uh, I, I always call everyone. I'm, I'm so annoyed with myself for, say, for for almost saying how to make a murderer. It just it feels like that's what the show should be called. It's yeah. <laughs> and if we hadn't discovered the series, you know that that's what the next series uh, of How to Make a Murder or How to Get Away with Murder would have become. Right. Yes, that's it. that's the problem. There's, I mean, this is the other thing. There's too many shows because we're in the golden age of television now. There's not enough titles to go around, so mm. you've got. Uh, yeah, how to how to get away with murder and making a murderer, and then you've got American Crime Story and a show called American Crime. That's mm. that's too much. That's just so too right, I've got a great a great new show that I'm going to pitch to the networks very soon. It's called House of Playing Cards. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's incredible. You wouldn't believe it. It's about this guy who manipulates everything to become the president of his local Rotary Club. This actually sounds like you put some thought into it. Uh, who, no, who, who's, attached? who's attached to? Uh, so, so far, we've got um, uh, John Jarrett is attached. Yeah. Uh, talking with Peter Phelps. Uh, and I'm hoping above hopes I can get Rebecca Gibney. I think, yeah, absolutely. Marcus Graham, maybe, if you can get to get him on board. Um, Only if I can get him back in a wheelchair. Yeah. I don't know that story. When, did he, when was he in a wheelchair? He was wheels on East Street. Oh, I'm sorry. Before my time, I I, I pride oh. myself on my knowledge of things that existed before I was born. But even that, well, that was when I was very young. But um, oh dear, a gap in my knowledge. Okay, he was wheels on East Street. <laughs> Good. So what else? It's, uh, it's got real potential. There's lots of buzz. Cool. And so, what else did you watch? Um, I uh, what did I do? I did try and make a point of going back and watching some things that I'd missed throughout the year, particularly that had popped up that were older. So not even new stuff, but stuff that I wanted to, uh, I guess, cross off my list Mm -hmm. Um, because we have now, you know, the benefit of subscription video that we've never had before. So I could very easily go and click on a thing and go, what's this about? Oh, it's not very good. Oh, I'll just leave it there then. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, A Very Merry Christmas on Netflix. Did you? I just didn't get on board with it. I, th- I, I, yeah. I got about halfway through it and I felt it was relying too heavily on people's feeling of goodwill towards Bill Murray and not on actual, <laughs> on actually any ideas or uh, content. But prove me wrong, Steve. Oh, no, no, look, I, I went in eyes wide open knowing that it's just 100% filler in between the performances. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. So I just, um, yeah, it just felt like uh, the Emperor's New Clothes. This, there was for me, it just felt like there was nothing there. But I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> Actually, one other thing I would like to say about it that, that I that I did watch is a show which I was which was recommended to me. I'd never heard of it. It was from this year. It was a reality show. I don't really watch reality shows generally, but this show was called Sing It On, and it is on Netflix. And it's if you I haven't seen Pitch Perfect or Pitch Perfect Two, but it follows the world of uh, college acapella singing, comp- you know, competitive acapella um, uh, events in uh, in the United States. Wow! And so it's nineteen year olds, twenty year olds who form these groups and you know sing the hits of today uh, without uh, music. And uh, it was uh, what was really interesting was watching. Um, the, the a, a generation that has grown up on reality television 
and mm. so now speaks in reality television terms. Every one of them was on a journey, you know, mm. at 19. Uh, everyone was talking about sass and swag mm. and there was just a kind of, it, it was so, you, you could just feel the legacy of, of, of all the reality shows that had come before it and how it had kind of infiltrated the, the next generation. And, uh, yeah, no, it was uh, – and then what was fascinating is that there's actually a genuine moment of drama. Something really devastating happens to one of the teams, um, not like, oh, they just lost their round, but some you know, genuine human uh, event occurs. And it's so interesting then seeing them deal with actual drama as distinct from the manufactured drama of the – oh, my God, I, I, you know, I, I, I held that note for too long or I took my breath at the wrong moment and all that sort of irrelevant stuff. And then suddenly, you know, real-life stuff gets in the way. And it was just interesting to see how they talked about that versus the, you know, the kind of fluff that you get on reality TV. Anyway, so I'm not recommending it. I'm not dissuading people from it. It's just a show that exists. <laughs> and I watched in the, it. <laughs> in the same vein, I tripped over when I was in America towards the end of last year, um, a TV show that it was, it was basically American Idol, but for Christian song leaders. Wow. So it was like worship leaders from churches came together and competed Amazing. in front of an audience I love with it. judges on who led the worship the best. But judge not lest, lest you be judged, Steve. I don't uh, understand how that works. It, I wouldn't have. I would have thought that was the first thing to stop making that fit. That <laughs> yes, that's where it falls over. Meeting, meeting. That's somewhere towards the back. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it's, again, not recommending it, just telling you what's out there. It exists, yeah. <laughs> Good. I didn't know that. That actually does sound uh, vaguely interesting. I just, like, it was, I, I, I don't need 12 episodes. I just need five minutes. Could, could, could they just make five minutes of a show and that'll be enough? Just go, oh, that's oh, what that's How like. good would that be? Reality shows that last five minutes. Yeah, just like well, a, a, Whitman, say, a Whitman sampler or something. Yeah. yeah, I'm here for my journey next week on The Journey. <laughs> Sold, Steve. So then my January converted really quickly, Mark, into starting to preview content. As soon as the PRs came back to work, they were sending me out stuff. So I've watched a few things that have started to fall ahead of the mark and, uh, and those kinds of things. We will talk about them. But here we are, the final week of non-ratings. Now, compared to other years, it's just been sport, sport, sport right up to the get-go. But, but this year, 2016, uh, the year of our Lord... Uh, Kerry Packer, um, we've got just we've got just shows coming out of our wazoo. Every network has gone early this year, Mark. Right. So, like, I know that obviously SBS has done it with uh, the Family Law and uh, the Wizards of the Wizards of Oz. I think was the other one. Uh, but what, which yes. other shows have that have uh, started early? Well, it, this week the ABC always go the week early. So we've had Media Watch Q and A, Four Corners. All of those sorts of things start to return. Their Wednesday night comedy is back this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of that, all of that is happening, uh, and in part, it's because well, we're the ABC and we don't care about ratings. But for seven, nine, and ten, the they say that they say that. See. Well, they do say that. <laughs> let me tell you, and let me tell you, it's not all true. Uh, but then seven, nine, and ten, the commercial networks have delivered us a plethora. Dare I say it? Uh, yes, I know what a plethora is of content. <laughs> for us to be able to enjoy and sample and get hooked on so that come next week, it's a real Sophie's choice. Right, right. You're not talking about you're back in the room. We're having to wait for that one, aren't we? Uh, no, we are definitely going to have to wait for that one. And if I have anything to do with it, we'll be waiting for a long time. 
I was speaking to someone about that. Uh, they were recording because I think they were recording in Sydney. And apparently, if you w- wanted to go along and be in the, the audience, there was an email saying, uh, "Please bring clothes that you would be comfortable, uh, you know, getting ruined." And because, uh, and I guess because when people are under hypnosis, I don't know, they might throw eggs at you or something, or. Um, they yeah. might be told to act like a monkey where they shit in their That's hand it. and fling it at you. Yeah. And I don't have clothes that I'm prepared to have ruined, Daryl. Um, <laughs> Not that I'll wear on television. No, exactly. That's it. Yeah, no, because I believe that if you're going to sit in the studio audience for a television show, you should be reasonably well-dressed. That's why I like, you know, if you see clips of uh, really, really old shows, people, you know, on television, in the audience, they're in taxes. You know, they're dressed up for the Ed Sullivan show. That's um, right. Yeah. It's a night out. Yeah, they wouldn't. You know, you can't imagine the Ed Sullivan show sending out a. Uh, well, it wouldn't send out an email, obviously, but <laughs> sending out a letter or putting a putting an ad in the New York Times a saying, telex. "Please bring your worst tuxedo in case uh, you know this young David Copperfield." Yeah, you know, the timing doesn't quite work, but I don't know an older hypnotist. Uh, you get the. Re- I, I've, I've done. I've done my bit on that. That's fine. Move on. Okay, uh, so what we're seeing this week, Mark, is. After we got the tennis out of the way, the launch of the commercial network's big three reality shows. Seven are back with, would you believe it, season seven of My Kitchen Rules. Um, Australia's got. You know how sometimes sometimes you wake up and you realize there were like 11 seasons of Charmed? You know, it's like like one of those things. It's just you you, you go to JB Hi Fi and you see a massive box set and you just sort of, it kind of puts everything in perspective. Uh, so, yeah, sorry, you, you were saying seven seasons too many of My, my Kitchen Rules. Yep, go on. Oh, it's like when you roll over and realize that they're still making Grey's Anatomy. Oh, gosh. Yes, indeed. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. God. We are long past McDreamy. Yeah, yeah. Is he dead? Is that right? I think I heard. I think, that's how I follow a lot of TV shows. Like, you, just, it's just, it's just, you don't even need to watch them. It sort of permeates the culture. Um, yes. Yes. Sorry. So, My Kitchen Rules and who else? Who else is so back? Season seven of My Kitchen Rules. Nine have delivered for them the second series of Australia's Got Talent with a whole new judging panel and host. We'll talk about that in a second. And Channel Ten have delivered us I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, season two, with again a whole new, as you'd expect, cast of celebrities. Now you insert air quotes in any part of that statement where you want uh, that are in the jungle competing in some fairly disgusting challenges for our entertainment. Uh, I hope it's for someone's entertainment. Uh, it's not for mine. But, um, yeah, no, I hear the show is doing so well that uh, next year they, uh, they're planning a celebrity version of the show. Uh, <laughs> Ding! So, so thank you, please. Uh, <laughs> actually, I caught... Uh, I actually, I decided, I thought, because I knew we'd be talking about it, I did uh, switch on a few minutes of, of it last night, and... Um, it must be great for Chris Brown and Julia Morris. That just must be cushy. That must be just wonderful. wonderful. They just look, it looks like they just get to just clown around because they don't have to do anything. They don't have to eat anything. Or... No, they're having a great time. Quite honestly, I spoke uh, with Julia and Chris last year post-celebrity. Uh, and while there is certainly some effort put into writing you know, some of the, the gags and those sorts of things or where they want to get to and, and thinking about that sort of stuff, on the whole, they turn up on set after staying in some fairly decent digs, uh, they turn up on set, all of the makeup stuff, blocking rehearsals, uh, you know, talks in between the breaks with the, uh, the joke writers because it does go out live from South Africa. They have a great time. 
Mm. They do have to nick down after the show and do some uh, some bits, some interactions with the uh, what do you call those things, celebrities, because they then run the food challenges. They stand there and talk to them, which is pre-recording for the next day, and then they go back to the resort and have a great time in the eve. I mean, I, I think there's a reality show to be made about just the uh, the names about and in terms of like the the meetings about throwing names around. I'd love to know the names that come up and the, and the negotiations and the, and the conditions, you know, and what it is that makes someone say yes or no and, you know, all the kind of financial crises that I imagine every contestant is going through to explain why they're on there. Um, In an age, Mark, when the Logies have their own ambassador, I am surprised that we don't yet have some form of competitive either television show or internet voting process where we can nominate who we think should be the celebrities. And then, yes, inevitably there's a pre-show which allows us to see the negotiations about, well, how do we convince um, uh, Daryl Summers to go into the jungle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do, do you want to get anything off your chest about the Logies ambassador? I'll sit on it for a moment. If it bubbles up again, we'll talk sure, about it. that's then. fine. Uh, so celebrities back, and I, look, I for one am enjoying it. It's early days yet, though, people. But get involved. Warney's there. Brennan Favola is there. Um, Lorena Fleur, she of the Dirty Street Pie from The Bachelor, is there. Um, uh, the chick from So You Think You Can Dance, not the pretty one, the old one. Um, uh, Val Lehman is there. Who I think, like, there's a lot being made about how Val was Queen Bee and the original Prisoner and those sorts of things. Val, to her credit, is a survivor and she's still around. I reckon that Val has still – she knows how to make a shift and she will take out Akmal Sali if he gives her the wrong look at any point. I, gosh, I'm becoming increasingly aware of the gaps in my knowledge. I, again, I thought I knew Australian pop culture from yesteryear, yesteryear but I didn't know Val Lehman was, uh, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit. Uh, but I never watched uh, Prisoner, so, uh, yeah, mea culpa. Oh. Uh, <laughs> There's still so much TV you can catch up on, Mark. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. So celebrities on 10, and they have their new I'm a celebrity, get me out of here now. Sort of like this is what's happened behind the scenes. Let's interview a past contestant. Let's see what the funny stuff that happened that didn't make it into the real show. Um, It's hosted by Joel Creasy, who, of course, was in last year's, the first season, and, and, and a known comedian in Australia. And Heather Maltman, who was in The Bachelor and broke everybody's hearts because she didn't win the, the heart of The Bachelor last year. Um, now, I have to say, I like both of them. I think the show's about a half an hour too long, Mark. It's an hour show. It needs to be a half an hour, very snappy, get in, get out. Gosh, I, I did see someone make a sharp observation about Joel Creasy, which was basically congratulating him on being the only person who went on that show on the way up. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, uh, <laughs> Oh, uh, kudos! Yeah, he's, it's, he, I think it's done great guns for him. I kind of, uh, it's. I'm actually. So, I'm not really addressing your issue, your question because I, I don't. I don't know the, the the show, but uh, just more broadly, I think a lot of these re, uh, reality shows, nothing really comes of it for anyone. I feel like, especially with the, you know, I feel like with the, a lot of the singing competitions, the talent shows beyond the initial prize, you know, there doesn't really seem to be. I don't get the impression that it always gives a great kind of career boost. Uh, I think for, in some cases, like Guy Sebastian, absolutely. But, you know, there were, I don't know how many, nine seasons of uh, Australian Idol and how many names did we get out of it. Um, so I think it's it's nice to see someone, um, yeah, actually getting something career-wise out of one of these shows. 
But that said, it's a celebrity show, so it's not like it's just some member of the public. I hate it, Steve. I'm sorry. I just just wish it didn't exist. I just, I think what it comes back to for me is I hate hearing arguments about how uh, drama content or comedy content is so expensive to make. And then they go and they take and they pay Shane Warne $2 million or whatever it is. And they go and they set up an entire studio and facility in Africa and then you want me to believe that it's too expensive to make comedy or drama in Australia. And then you're having to pay writers anyway to write for Julia and Bondi Ved and, and all of it. It's just so – I think it's that big – to me, that's a big – those sorts of shows are a big F you to writers mm. and anyone trying to create something of kind of worth. Uh, and I know I'm being a, a, you know, snotty about it because it is entertaining. Uh, and so, you know, th- there is room for that sort of stuff. But I think as someone who – wants to see more scripted content in this country when we're getting such great stuff from overseas. Uh, mm. I think it's, it's, I think it's an insult to, to, to throw that amount of money at a, a reality show um, that kind of just gives a sort of little career boost for, for people who are already in the public eye. Anyway. No, no, you bring up some very valid conversation that we will touch on again when we talk about the comedy offerings and the drama offerings that are staring us down pre Easter. Mm. Uh, because there is surprisingly a lot of it, but unsurprisingly, not a lot of it on commercial television. Yeah, that's the thing. That's yeah, the commercial networks just continue. I mean, yeah, we'll get onto it when we get onto the Habibs and what have you. Yeah. Let's finish covering off these guys now. Australia's Got Talent. Did you watch any of the first new season with Dave Hughes as host? I think Dave Hughes is terrific. Uh, mm-hmm. He, uh, I think, last year came out and we didn't we didn't because we haven't had like a Logie's host for a while. He came out, but he came, excuse me, sorry. Uh, the uh, he we haven't had Logie's host for a, a while, and he came out and, uh, at the start of the show and did a ten minute you know, bit uh, mm-hmm. and was just great. And yes. uh, I've never really watched a lot of his stuff. I've sort of, you know, been aware of it and see it from time to time. But I thought he did, did such a great job. So I think this is a really, yeah, great choice for a host. My concern, as I think is with most people, is Sophie Monk shouldn't be judging anyone on anything. Um, so I think it's it's insulting to have her deciding what is talent or, or not. I think that but similar- Mark, she's the winner. Of Celebrity Apprentice Australia, was she? <laughs> she won last year. God, I did not know that. Uh, so I guess that you're right. You're right. She is talented. Um, so, so now what? She works for Mark Boris. The, is she? She is secretary. Is that how it works? That when you win Celebrity Apprentice, she answers the phones at Wizard Home Loans. Is that what happens? Oh, Wizard Home Loans. <laughs> No idea. All I know is that she's now touring the, or did tour the country and is now sitting down at a table with uh, Kelly Osborne, Eddie Perfect, and Dicko as judges of the new AGT. Sure. Sure. I mean, Kelly Osborne can go in that same camp as far as I'm concerned. Um, oh, fuck. I hate everything, Steve. Sorry, I didn't mean to swear on your podcast. Uh, <laughs> Uh, this is, yeah, it's fucking, yeah. You're listening to Mark's TV fuck fest. Everything's fucked. Um, yeah. <laughs> Cut all of that. Anyway, uh, good luck to all the contestants. Great. Um, yes, good luck to them indeed. Now, my kitchen rules, have you seen any of the new season seven, Mark? <laughs> 
No, no, I'm afraid None not. Good. <laughs> Have you ever watched My Kitchen Rules? The, the closest I've come to seeing My Kitchen Rules is that I, I uh, used to watch uh, MasterChef, and what always made me laugh is that whenever whenever it would come to that um, that challenge, I can't remember what they called the challenge anymore, but where one of the contestants would have to go up against a celebrity chef, uh, they would always show the footage of is it, is it Pete who had been Pete Evans? That's right. So Pete Evans had been. Pit, pitted against one of the contestants on MasterChef in season one and had lost the challenge in season one mm-hmm. of MasterChef. And I love that MasterChef, whenever this challenge comes up, will always show footage of Pete Evans losing to a member of the public. Uh, to me, it's always just the producers just just turning the screw and just saying, up yours, my kitchen rules. You, you, this guy couldn't even beat a member of the public on MasterChef and you made him the host of my kitchen rules Here's what we think of that. Uh, so that's my that's all I know about my kitchen rules. Is that yeah one of the one of the judges lost lost a round on uh, MasterChef, and it's starting to show. I mean, season seven, we know that the cooking was something that they really stopped caring about four seasons ago. The casting again is good. The promo is even better. That's what seven do amazingly well with MKR. Uh, but all we've got a sizzle this year is, oh, here's a couple of bad girls. Oh, who's the new celebrity judge? That's it. There's nothing right. else that's new. The formula has been stuck to its tried and true. It is rating through the roof, so these criticisms are going to be of nil, nil benefit. But sure. it's just it felt very samey and very bland by comparison. Hmm. Yeah, I just – I just increasingly, I just got to be be honest. I, I follow TV closely, but in terms of my viewing habits, I'm so just, I, I've just given up on the commercial networks. And so, unless something comes up in my Twitter feed or I see it on the side of a bus, I'm just not gonna. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not engaging with it. But that's, I'm not, I'm not the, uh, I'm not the standard, and I accept that there are people who are having living very happy lives watching all of the shows you've just mentioned. And and well, they should now, Mark. Let's let's turn to things that that might be a bit a little bit more positive, a little bit happier. <laughs> let's talk about love, Mark, shall we? Oh, hello. Now, in this first quarter of 2016, there is a couple of offerings that are designed to tug at our heartstrings uh, and help us be a little bit warm and fuzzy. You know, that might keep us drawn into the networks. One of them is Nine's Farmer Wants a Wife. The other is Channel Seven's First Dates. Now. At the time of recording, Mark, you may have watched Farmer Wants a Wife, though I doubt it. I no, I've not. I, I actually did watch previous seasons. That was something that uh, uh, my wife and I did watch for I don't know, maybe three seasons, and and really quite enjoyed. I feel like I've seen enough of it now that I don't mm. I don't need to. Um, yeah, I, I, there's nothing left for that show to teach me. Um, so I'm a little baffled that it's still going. Who's the host now? Uh, her name is Kate McClymont. She's one of the uh, trio of sisters that make up the country music band, The McClymonts. Okay. Uh, <laughs> great. Uh, God, what am I doing on this podcast, Steve? I know nothing. Uh, <laughs> I'm very – I watch so much TV, Steve. How do I not know all these things? Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, so if I'm once a wife, I, I don't know what is left to ring out of that that show. Um Look, and the only don't... real hook for mine in, in Farmer Wants a Wife this season is that one of the cast-offs 
of uh, Married at First Sight last year. Uh, Lachlan is his name. He was the one that married the very uh, controlling Claire. Uh, sorry, very controlling is probably a little bit unfair to her. Mildly ma- ma- manic is probably a best way of saying it. Um, she was crazy chops. Uh, <laughs> so that didn't work out. But Channel 9, we're inundated, Mark, with offers of I'd love to date him. Is he available? Can you give me his number? Uh, mm-hmm. When they heard that that happened to Paul Lachlan. So he was immediately cast as Farmer Lachlan. But is he, is he a farmer? He, he actually was. He did own and run a farm okay. at the time of uh, Married at First Sight. So it's not, they haven't right. ma- okay. completely manufactured the scenario. I thought it might be like a Bing Lara Bingle situation where they wanted to show exactly what her life is like by renting out a, an expensive pad that she didn't live in. Uh, and create this sort of fantasy version of her life. So I, I feel like I wonder whether Nine had maybe rented a paddock and said, this is where he lives. Uh, he's a farmer now for the, in the interests of ratings. <laughs> the love that he has for his cows suggests that it is, he is actually a farmer. So he's front and centre for mine in that. There are seven other farmers, but I think everybody's watching to see if Farmer Lachlan finds love mm-hmm. uh, and how that works out. I quite. I was very fond of Natalie Grzelewski. I thought she was a good host. So uh, um, good luck to uh, Kate McClymont, who I. Oh, is it yeah. Sam or Kate? I don't know. I don't know. I saw McClymont. I, I think because Kate McClymont. I, I always just think of the uh, the journalist, but um, and that may be where I've confused myself. Right. I think it's Sam McClymont. Okay. Well, good luck getting the public to remember your name. That's the. That's the <laughs> <laughs> that's Insert the, name here, McClymont. Yeah. Um, now, first dates, Mark. Mm. This is something that the Channel 7 have picked up from a UK format. Fancy that. Uh, the whole premise is, is fairly simple. Uh, two people uh, who have never met before, don't know each other, uh, so apply to a TV show to go on a first date together. And they get paired up unbeknownst to the other. And they turn up, get interviewed by producers, walk into a restaurant that has uh, some fairly surreptitious, not entirely, but some pretty well, you know, sort of out of the way cameras. And they sit down and they have their first date over a dinner, over a meal. And at the end of the date, they're brought back into a room and asked, how did it go? Will you see each other again? Blah, blah, blah. Now, the promo that they've showed for this is pretty horrendous. It makes it look like it's 100% car crash. And for anyone that's been on a first date, which I think is 100% of the population, you'll know that there certainly are elements of awkward anytime you do have those kinds of moments. But hmm. on the whole, I actually really liked it. I chewed through three episodes of this. Okay. Because it is, it is a concept that is so, I mean, kudos to whoever pitched it because it is so depressingly simple. Yes. Um, a, and, and yet, yeah, it is, a, you know, that sort of scenario is a source of, yeah, embarrassment and hopefully amusement. One thing that I think is terrific about, well, I, I haven't watched it, but I think what is a, a smart move is that uh, I think is, the, is Sam McMill- McMillan the uh, narrator? Yes, the new Sunrise Weather Girl, Mr. Sam <laughs> Mack, is indeed the narrator. He is terrific. He makes anything, he is easily the best thing on anything that he is on. And he's really? often on things that are not worthy of him. So oh, I think like on, on the, what was it break? No, not breakfast. Wake up. I mean, he was wake just up. like, you know, that, that, that show was just, you know, obviously had a lot of problems. But, you know, when, if Sam Matt came on, it's just like, oh, right. Okay. This guy knows what he's doing. And so, uh, yeah, I think I imagine he'll, he'll be a great fit at sunrise and we'll, yeah, we'll instantly become the best thing on it. 
And uh, so, yeah, good, yeah, um, kudos to him. I, I don't know if he's able to do much with the narration, but um, yeah, I think he's, um, I think he's a star. He he has delivered uh, his best uh, FM radio voice in the narration, so it's all very deep and dark and, and excellent. Um, said with a smile, so you can hear that it's pleasant. Uh, but as well, though, and now he's all just reading links and stuff, right? He hasn't sat through the show and go, oh, it'd be great if I said here, maybe someone's finding something lovely. Uh, he just gets given lines to say and he records them done. Uh, however, un- uh, unintended double entendres litter his copy. It is so <laughs> great. And my favourite of all of them coming up next on First Dates. This, it's just so great. <laughs> great oh good for him so yeah good luck with that so love let's kick that to the curb uh, i think mark mm. what we want to talk about the meat really of what we're looking forward to let's get into comedy and then let's talk about drama now when it comes to comedy uh, we really we can narrow it down to a couple of sources that we've got it from in the past and that's been the abc and sbs and you mentioned at the top mark that the family law has been kicking through over summer, and I've really enjoyed that. I thought that's been great for SBS. Mm, yeah, yeah. I the uh, pilot. I think. Well, one thing I would say firstly, it was really smart to put the pilot on uh, on Facebook. I yep. thought it was it was really refreshing to see a network embrace that technology and kind of accept the way that people you know, watch content now. Um, that said, I thought the I thought the pilot was 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 good, but the second episode I thought was really good. So. Yes. Uh, uh, I need to stick with it, but um, yeah, I uh, yeah, I think it's funny and yeah, just great to see. You know, I know it's sort of a hack thing to say, to say, but just yeah, we you know we need greater diversity on screens and and you know that so that's really great to see. So well, done. it is based on Benjamin Law's book of the same name, uh, and I recommend you read it. It's certainly a great book. If you've missed. The Family Law. It's on SBS On Demand, so catch up there. It's on Thursday nights. There's still a couple of episodes left. Uh, I think it's 8.30 from memory. Uh, so dive in and check it out. It is genuinely funny. Uh, I, I just need to correct some, performances. I just need to correct something that I said. I realized, uh, I read something the other day saying that the word diversity is, people, some people don't like the word diversity. I should have said, great to see the TV being more inclusive. That is the word I just used, inclusive. There you go. Can we say colorful? No. Definitely not. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm out of this conversation. You're Sorry. You're a, yeah, uh, you, you'll get letters. That'd be a first. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the idea of inclusion, Mark, mm-hmm. because for the first time in a long time, we're getting uh, a comedy, an Australian comedy, dare I say it, a sitcom, popping up on commercial TV. Channel 9 are uh, delivering to us a show called Here Come the Habibs. It's amazing. The promo is appalling, like <laughs> diabolical. And all I've got from people, and I talk to a lot of people, hey, what are you looking forward to? What do you think of this? And without almost fail, everyone's gone, I'm not watching Here Come the Habibs. It looks, and you can finish the sentence, racist, horrible, disgusting, stupid, uh, unfunny, blah, 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 all off the back of the promo. Yeah, right. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like... Yeah, I, I want to give this the benefit of the doubt. I, th- I just sort of take it that most pro- look, most promos are terrible. Most promos are terrible. doesn't matter how good the show is. It's just like promo departments kind of – it can be hard to kind of work out how to, you know, try and get the whole idea of the show across in 30 seconds. Um, yep. So 
I can't, I don't, I don't know if I can even think of what the great promos are. I don't even, I'm not even, I can't even remember the last time I watched a promo. I went, yeah, this. Um, Surely so, you're back in the room has to feature highly. Are there promos already for that? Oh, we've seen a promo pop up. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you know, they had, they had me, they had me at Daryl. Uh, you know, just, just, just show a, show a still image of Daryl for 30 seconds and, uh, and I'm in. Uh, I think his so, entire 22 minutes on Carol's by Candlelight was a promo for your background. <laughs> I didn't. I, people actually, someone, because I know I talk a lot about Daryl. Someone did tweet me to say, oh, you, you'll be <laughs> pleased to know that Daryl's on Carol's by Candlelight. And I, and I missed it. I, I came in, I think he just finished, and instead I got uh, Frankie J. Holden and Wilbur Wilde. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so, uh, Carol did material. Oh, fantastic. What was it like? Bad. Oh, got to check the time that out. away from the screen has not treated him well. <laughs> oh, I've got to see that. Uh, that's that, that's that's. The <laughs> I can only I, I, the version in my head is funnier probably than than, than what the, the the real material was. Um, yeah, I'll, hopefully someone's stuck that up on YouTube. But on the on the Habib's thing, yep. my my general feeling about this is I, I'm so thrilled to see a commercial network, especially Channel Nine in this case. Uh, putting, you know, in, investing in scripted comedy because I think this is the first uh, sitcom that they've had in 20 years, which is mm. just a horrible, you know, just an indictment of, of of commercial television in this country. So I feel like there's, I don't want to say there's a lot riding on it, but I just, I, I want this show to do well so that it can create opportunities for other, uh, you know, scripted comedies because, uh, Man, Australians are funny. We've got so many really fun, funny, smart people that should be making stuff on TV. Um, and I'm not just talking about myself. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think here come the Habibs. I, I want it to do well. So, yeah, I, I think yeah, I've seen you know, people already labelling it racist, but I'll, I'll wait until we've actually seen the show. I will. I've, I've previewed the first two apps that Nine made available. I really liked it. Uh, Jungle are responsible for it, so the people that made the Moody's and Moody mm. Christmas. Yeah, the they know they know what they're doing. Totally, they know what they're doing. Uh, Phil Lloyd, uh, I think, wrote the first or second episode, um, and it was created by a bunch of people that were involved with Fat Pizza. So we've got some people who do some pretty edgy kind of, well, let's call it ethnic comedy as a, as a generalization. They've partnered with the guys from Jungle who do some pretty funny, um, authentic um, comedy. And I think that working together has turned out a pretty good end result. Great. Terrific. Excellent. So that starts 8.30 Tuesday night coming on your Channel 9. Uh, check, please do check it out. Support it. And I know people go, oh, don't just watch it because it's Australian. Look, if you don't watch it, they're not going to get a chance to make any more. Mm. So yeah. at least check out the first one. And you know what? You may like it. I'm going to say you probably will like it. That's it. Because if, if this does well, then other you know, 7 and 10 – because they don't have original ideas of their own, no. will go, oh, oh, we need a scripted comedy. And then suddenly we're booming. So That's exactly right. Fingers crossed. Now, we'll quickly cast our eye across the ABC's comedy lineup. Of course, we've got uh, Julia Zamiro's Home Delivery, which has now strayed very strongly from it just being about her talking with comedians to now her talking with anyone that's important. Uh, the Weekly with Charlie Pickering is back. Black Comedy is back. Uh, all of these start uh, podcast time tonight. So by the time you get this, you may get to see them or you'll have to catch them on iView. 
Uh, Mark, any feelings about any of those? Uh, yeah, I will start with Julia Zamiro's home delivery. Uh, yeah, I, I'll be keen to see her talking to uh, Kerry O'Brien. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think I saw any of season one. It's um, a great episode. But um, yeah, season two. I think it looks like looks like a reasonably interesting group of people. She's she's going to. By the way, it's season four for Julia. What? Oh my gosh! Yep. Oh gosh! Where does the time go? Are you serious? Yeah, Holy you man. had your head writing the roast for a fair chunk of four most seasons. Of gosh! Series. All right. Well, well done. Um, oh, okay. There you go. So I might check that episode out. But um, I don't know. I, I don't know if the show. Uh, the, the impression I get of home delivery, along with a few other shows that the, the ABC has done in recent years, it, it sort of it seems kind of just like kind of I don't know how to describe it. Just very comfortable, comfortable television yep. is what. I, so I, you know, it's not groundbreaking, but I guess it's kind of nice to watch. So I was thinking, I think it, was, it reminds me of like like didn't Miff Warhurst have nice, and then yes. did have, Hannah Gadsby have something kind of similar? Yep. Or, um, yeah. So. Anyway. And predating all of that, uh, Amanda Keller had Mondo Thinger. Mondo Thinger. You know, actually, I did warm-up. I did audience warm-up on uh, an episode or two, two episodes of The Living Room uh, several years ago, about 2012. I think it was, in the, it was the first season of um, uh, The Living Room. And I asked Amanda Keller about Mondo Thinger. And I think, based on her response, I think she'd forgotten she was on Mondo Thinger. <laughs> Uh, I, she was slightly stunned that I was like, "Oh, what was it like meeting you know the 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 girl who played Veruca Salt in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate?" <laughs> she was just took her a moment to kind of just sort of reset. Um, so, and uh, the weekly with uh, Charlie Pickering, um, yeah, I, I am very happy that there is satirical comedy on the ABC. Um, the on to black comedy, uh, yeah. Now, black comedy. I actually watched the first two episodes of season two, and uh, I didn't laugh as much as I uh, had, you know, had hoped. And I think that there was some. I think they're really strong performances and some really great ideas. There's some a, a very good kind of Godfather parody uh, that's in season that in, is in episode two, uh, but it's like Leah Purcell and Deborah Mailman play these two women who um, they operate these sort of welcome to country services. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that was kind of a kind of neat idea tying it in with this sort of, yeah, mafia or Godfather uh, mythology. And uh, so that kind of worked, but there were, there were just things for me. I just, it didn't, I, I think I'm just, maybe I'm just not the, the audience for it. And um, yeah, I didn't. I, and I, I think that, Maybe it maybe it was in season one. I didn't I didn't see season one, so I, I might be wrong about this. But I feel like the show could be sharper, and um, I kind of feel like that comedy could be what Key and Peel is to um, you know being black in America, or what Amy Schumer is for you know women's issues. I feel like black comedy could be that for. Indigenous Australians and could really, you know, it'd be, I think it'd be really great to see, you know, the internet light up with, oh, black comedy really nailed the problem with Australia Day or, or, or you know, really nailed, you know, con- the uh, Indigenous recognition in the Constitution or something like that. Maybe that's not what the, show, what the show's going for. But from what I saw, it, it there were some satirical um, sketches uh, and one uh, that worked quite well involving a, 
a white photographer taking a, a photo of a, a group of Aboriginal people and having certain stereotypes in his head. So I think there is there are glimpses of that, but I'd like to see a lot more of that. But that's my taste in terms of like you know satirical comedy. Yeah. They do have that's, an excellent Real Housewives parody that's the Real Housewives of Narromine uh, that I reckon is is a standout. But yeah, I think there's there's lots of things they could work with and it has potential. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Now, Mark, this is where we get serious in a, in the last ten minutes of the the podcast drama, and <laughs> I think the big thing that's going to stand out in this conversation is that a lot of the drama that we're watching isn't on commercial television. It's probably not even on on uh, your ABC or SBS. Things like Netflix, Stan, and, and Presto, to a much lesser degree, have <laughs> really opened up some huge opportunities and some big big content that we're either watching now or that we're looking forward to seeing, don't you think? Oh, yes. Oh, completely. No, I think I think the uh, streaming services in Australia, particularly I, I, kudos to Stan for some of the choices that they've made, and I'm very excited about this deal that they've made with Showtime um, yes. to bring a lot of Showtime content. Um, uh, so, yeah, Billions in particular is uh, one that I was really thrilled to see that they picked up the uh, this new... Drama with Paul Giamatti and uh, Damien Lewis from uh, Homeland, and uh, and for all the viewers, the Foresight Saga, um, and uh, yeah, so I loved the first episode of that. And I know you've been uh, you've been watching it. Oh, devouring it is probably the best way to put it. A huge move by Stan to sign this deal, not only with Showtime, but it also opens up a whole bunch of CBS content that currently airs on Ten, uh, which will mean that. Pretty quickly, that's not going to show up on 10 Play Kids. That's going to show up in full on, uh, you know, your, your stands and stuff, which is a huge, very ballsy move. There's even talk, and it's just talk at the moment, Mark, mm-hmm. that with their recent alignment with Optus, that because Optus bought the EPL broadcast rights in Australia for this year, that Stan might be the streaming home of the EPL, which would be massive. Uh, sorry, is that a sports thing? English Premier League. Thank you. That conversation. <laughs> now, the kinds of things that are coming to our subscription TV services just in this first quarter, uh, Better Call Saul Season 2, House of Cards Season 4, Billions, as we've already talked about, Daredevil Season 2, The Walking Dead Part 2 of Season 7, uh, well, technically Foxtel, but that'll pop up on its you know catch-up and live stream thing. Uh, same with Game of Thrones. And, in, and a good news for fans of Game of Thrones, again, HBO offering that, uh, it's simulcast with the East Coast of America. So when it airs in New York, that's when Foxtel is showing it in Australia, nice. and then they'll have a primetime repeat. That was massive last year. Kudos, Foxtel. Oh, huge. And HBO, Mark. I think that there's an acknowledgement there that you know, they want a global audience to tune in, mm. uh, and the best way to do that is to make it available in the markets at the time that it's on. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I, that's why I thought it was so strange that Channel 10 decided to Delay the X Files by a week. I thought it was a very odd choice. I don't know if it affected oh, viewership or anything, but I just think that's insulting. Everything's insulting to me. I think that's insulting. <laughs> uh, and there's also popping up on stand this quarter Wolf Creek, the TV Ooh. series, which is uh, look, I managed to see a little grab, a preview bit of it at the stand Christmas party last year. Uh, it's going to freak you out. It is Great. very, very good. It's a revenge story set across the six episodes. John Jarrett returns as Mick Taylor. Um, if you loved Wolf Creek, you will love Wolf Creek, the TV series. It's going to be amazing. 
Mark Beyond, are, are, are you looking forward to any of those? Uh, not, uh, you know, I never saw Wolf Creek or, or, Wolf, or Wolf Creek 2, uh, but I've always wanted to. So well, they're I, on I will stand right to, now. Yeah, so I will have to do that. But um, yeah, I'll Game of Thrones, Walking Dead. I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm all for all of that. Yes, five stars. Give me more, please. Yeah. <laughs> for mine, I think the standouts, Billions is up there. And, and I've got to tell you, kids, it is it is all about power in every sense. The way that it is interwoven into the story in so many different uh, ways through relate, pardon me, through relationships, over relationships, all of that kind of stuff is absolutely crazy. Uh, and Giamatti and Lewis put in an incredible performance, mm. uh, both singularly and when they face off. It is so so great. Uh, also on Stan, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to season two of Better Call Saul. I think that they. Um... I think that the producers of, of that show have managed to make something. I think it's. E- I, I actually think it's equal to uh, Breaking Bad, but just you know, different. I, th- I think the quality of that show. I think they've done really well to take that world in a, in a different direction and still maintain the quality of Breaking Bad. So I'm I'm very excited about season two. Uh, yeah, oh, and, and this is where we start to see the real generation and growth of uh, Jimmy McGill. Mm. into that, that transformation of when he becomes Saul Goodman, right? Yes. There's, there's a lot of that still to play out, and we are it's going to be great. Indeed. And uh, Daredevil, I, I, I gave – I've watched several episodes of – I haven't – it just never – you know how it just like a show somehow, it just needs to get its claws into you. And, I, yeah. and, and it can happen in a variety of different ways, and for whatever reason that just didn't quite happen for me. So I'm kind of take it or leave it with Daredevil. I, I – I, I, there's a couple of characters that I, I wasn't keen on, so I think that certainly kind of hampered it. I didn't like his colleague. Um, yep. Uh, yeah, you know, his it's just mate. like. So what was that? His best mate. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and that, that was almost enough to derail the show for me. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you, Vincent D'Onofrio's uh, role as the bad guy mm-hmm. was incredible absolutely mesmerizing particularly and if you dropped off earlier you can understand but particularly through the last four or five episodes right thank you sure is incredible you know what i'm really looking forward to this year which uh i don't think anyone's talking about or certainly not in australia because i I, it may not have a home when it does come out is damien uh are you familiar with this no this is from Glenn Mazzara, who was a producer on The Shield, which I would say yes. is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, show of all time. Uh, he was a uh, showrunner on uh, The Walking Dead for, mm-hmm. I think, season two and possibly three. Uh, and so Damien is a sequel, a, a series sequel to the 1976 film The Omen. Oh, excellent. And so it's now Damien, the little boy, all grown up. Uh, oh, and right. you know, having to deal with being the devil, uh, and so yeah, it's it's a direct sequel. There's a there's a moment in the in the uh, in the in the trailer in the preview where you see him walk past a uh, a family portrait of Gregory Peck and Lee Remick and the, and the kids. So they, they are you know it is it is within that continuity. I, I think it probably doesn't take into account the events of Omen Two and Omen Three, which I'm, I'm guessing. Most people have not seen, although I, I have because I was a huge fan of the, of the first one. Uh, yeah, so that's what I'm really looking forward to. And I kind of like – it's in the kind of same camp as like Bates Motel uh, mm. and Hannibal. I love sort of revisiting these iconic uh, horror characters um, and then, yeah, giving them more to do on television than you can just, you know, 
giving them more story than you can do in a, in a film. In an election year, an American election year, Mark Humphreys, I can think of no better way than for Netflix to celebrate it uh, than by introducing us to Francis Underwood, president seeking re-election. Mm. And it's going to be a cracking season four House of Cards. Now, I say this gently, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched season three, that's your problem, but turn off or at least pause now and go and watch it all. When Claire Underwood left at the end of season three, that was certainly the pinnacle moment of what was a mostly fairly dull season three, but it has set up season four to be massive. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, season three, my, my, my issue with season three was I felt that we, I felt that Frank became president too quickly. Uh, I wanted to see him in that, you know, I, I did, you know, because I think part of what the, the great thing about that character is, is the conspiring and the, manip, the manipulating and that, and that yeah. rise to power was so uh, enthralling. And so making him president, I felt kind of took away some of that. Now he still has to be manipulative and, 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 and find ways to deal with various issues and, um, you know, that, that part of the character r- remains. But I, I, I really enjoyed the bit where he wasn't quite president and he still had that sort of burning ambition. Um, so, yeah, I thought, I thought they rushed out a little bit. But, yeah, having Claire leave and now having an election campaign, uh, that feels just like, a, you know, a great setup for, for drama. It, it's going to be amazing. Now, that's, that's the stuff that is not on your free-to-air television. When we start to talk about drama that's on free-to-air TV, the offering gets far, far lighter. (sighs) The final season of Downton Abbey has been delayed. If you wanted to see it, you probably would have by now. It finished in the UK over two months ago. Knock yourself out. Um, The the two big things, certainly that Seven are pushing, and uh, Ten aren't offering us, I, I don't believe they're offering us Brock or any of their big uh, dramas in the first quarter. I don't believe even nine are offering us any of their Australian dramas in the first quarter. Uh, so it's really down to seven who are giving us both Wanted and Molly. Mm. Now, which of these lights your proverbial fires, Mark Humphrey? I think you know. I think you know which it would be. Uh, it is Molly. Uh, mm. And I, I, I was speaking the other day to John Malloy, the producer of Molly, and was devastated to find out that the hey, hey years are not covered in the Molly biopic. Um, I just... Yep, that's because that was when that was that was when the most dramatic stuff happened. Uh, and uh, so now I, 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 I've seen the first twenty minutes of uh, Molly, and it's it's kind of hard to draw any conclusions from it. But so far, so good. Uh, it's uh, yeah, I, I think Samuel Sam, sorry, Sam, I think it's Samuel L. Johnson. Um, I think Samuel Samuel Johnson. I want to get these mother flipping hats. These mother flipping friends. <laughs> And um, uh, he uh, he does so far has done a great job in the in the first twenty minutes and uh, uh, I, I want to do a uh, maybe a drinking game or just keeping a tally of how many times you hear the word bloody. That's a general rule for Australian drama. Uh, just keep a tally of how many times the word bloody appears, especially in any uh, underbellies. That seems to be a, a big thing. Um, so there was uh, yes yeah, so, yeah I, I I think that's a really exciting story and I'm amazed that it's not. It seems so. It's ridiculous that it's not at the ABC. Um, mm. No, I think the ABC helped them out out with it. But uh, in terms of providing some of the old sets and things, I, I might be who have all this week been running uh, countdown specials and all everything they have on Molly. They've been dropping on television. It's right. so just sliding it into the schedule 
oh, surprise, this is here. Yeah, so it just seems a bit strange that they weren't the ones to actually make this show happen. But yeah, so as far as, you know, as far as biopics uh, go, uh, yeah, this one I'm, I'm quite looking forward to. I don't feel like his story is necessarily... Um, uh, I, I, uh, sorry. I don't even know what I was going to say there. Scrap that That's bit. Right. We heard it here first on Mox TV Talk, the podcast. <laughs> Mark Humphreys recommends the first 20 minutes of the first episode of Molly. Thank you. <laughs> Indeed. I'm looking forward to it as well. I think that, it, look, that Seven have plugged it for six months now, uh, very heavily during the tennis. I think that it's going to be probably the highest rating drama of 2016. Oof. I say that knowing what's coming. I reckon it's going to absolutely smash it. Cool. Um, and certainly it delivered a soundtrack that has done massive business uh, for both Mushroom and for Channel Seven. Yes, yes, I think uh, yes, I think that'll be that'll be a wonderful um, uh, element of the of the show. Like I was saying with Deutschland '83, just you know, a killer soundtrack can really help um, smooth over any cracks in the uh, you know the storytelling. <laughs> now, wanted the new big Rebecca Gibney Stephen Peacock vehicle. Uh, I am. I haven't. I'm yet to preview it. I've got access to a couple of apps, and I will have a look shortly. Uh, I think it starts up against the Habibs on Tuesday night on Seven. I am much less sold on this. I think it's a far riskier prospect because Rebecca Gibney isn't the cop. She's the uh, the suspect on the run, as it oh, were. She wouldn't hurt a fly. I, I can't and believe it. Well, this is the catch, isn't it? This is everybody loves Rebecca Gibney. Will they buy? that she and another woman witness a crime and they go on a run to protect themselves, to go into hiding because the bad guys will find them. And Stephen Peacock, the policeman, detective, has to track them down. I don't know if I've talked about this before on, on, on the podcast, but um, I always loved whenever uh, when she was doing Halifax FP, mm. uh, that every, every time they do a new Halifax FP, it would always be promoted as, as a world premiere (laughs) (laughs) well we're certainly getting that there is one that i forgot to throw into the mix now this is a a hbo appearing on uh foxtel uh number it is called vinyl have you heard anything about this mark humphrey is this the martin scorsese mick jagger combo yes yeah the very same uh so I'll, i'll give you just this please sorry no i was gonna say yeah you sold yeah i'm sold on those two names but yeah tell us the story Oh, it looks to be massive. So it's it's from a teleplay by Terence Winter and George Mastris, I think is how you say his name, uh, including the story by uh, Jagger and Scorsese have some efforts in there as well. The pilot episode is directed by Scorsese. It's a 10-episode drama. It's set around the story of Richie Fenestra, who is a, uh, a record executive in the 1970s. Now, given that Jagger and Scorsese are involved and it's set in the 70s, uh, we have a fairly good expectation of what it's going to be about. There'll be a lot of excess. There'll be a lot of Rolling Stones numbers. Uh, but it's it's certainly going to be bigger than Ben-Hur. A huge cast, if you don't mind. Even James Jagger has got to pick up in it. But Bobby Cannavale stars as the record exec. Olivia Wilde's in it. Ray Romano steps up. He's oh. the head of promotions at the label that uh, Richie Finestra uh, is the executive at. Uh, Max Casella, PJ Byrne. It's, it's a pretty huge cast. Uh, and then, of course, a list of you know special guests and all those sorts of things. It's pretty much going to be massive. Fantastic. Yep, got my vote. But tucked away on Foxtel. The only place you will see it in Australia is on Showcase. Then forget it. Oh, Mark. What <laughs> no. a wrap-up. What a wrap-up we have offered of a New Year's TV to come. Please. Gosh, yes. Too much TV, as always. 
Now, before we go outside and have the prerequisite post-coital cigarette, what is it that you are most looking forward to uh, before in the run-up to Easter? Oh, in the run-up to Easter. Well, uh, I mean, out of these ones, I'd probably, I'd probably go with. Uh, I'm going to go with Better Call Saul. I think, yeah, I think that first season was so strong. There are other shows which I'm not sure about the timing of, but I'm, mm. I'm really keen to see like American Crime Story, The People versus O.J. Simpson. Um, yes, ten uh, so, are meant to drop that this quarter, but no promises. Okay, right. So yeah, I'd be quite keen to see that. And uh, this is another HBO show which will get. I mean, I, I think there's not even a release date for the states confirmed, but Westworld. Uh, oh which uh, has Very brings keen. Anthony Hopkins to television, among others. Um, and so that's, uh, yeah, that just sounds kind of cool, a sort of uh, animatronic uh, theme park uh, from the mind of Michael Crichton. Yes, um, the movie of the, the late 70s, early mm, 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, the, uh, I never saw the Yul Brynner film. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah I, I think this, this could be quite good because I think, I think uh, Jonathan Nolan, Christopher Nolan's brother, who has collaborated with him on, just about everything that um, Christopher has done uh, is heavily involved in this. So that that seems like a pretty good indication of what this could be. Uh, yeah, I think I think those are the things that I'm those are the things that come to mind at the moment. What about you? Well, Mark, I'm certainly looking forward to all of those things. There's a bunch that I'm looking forward to in this first quarter. Stuff that plays out for the rest of the year. I'm also looking forward to Brock, uh, the the telly movie thing that Ten have got coming with uh, Matlin Neves as Peter Perfect, the race car driver. I think that's going to be good. Um, uh, one thing I'm not looking forward to is Offspring. I think that is the biggest television mistake of 2016. Oh, yeah, right. Mm. And you can quote me on that. Yeah, because I think because uh, a, a, a lot of the uh, creatives behind it are not involved, or at least the, the main person, isn't, isn't that right? Yeah, yeah oh, the, the main writers have uh, stepped away, shall we say. They've said that Nina's story is told. Uh, so new people writing the words for a pretty, you know, well-known, yeah, it's not going to happen. It almost sort of feels like fan fiction when you do something like that. Yes. And don't forget, Gogglebox is returning this year. So that is something to look forward to. Who knew that people would enjoy that? I, I never saw that. I never saw it, but it seems like people really, really enjoy it. So that's what an amazing turn of events that was. People, people enjoyed things. Who knows what their taste is? I'm one of those people. Okay, cool. <laughs> Mark, are there things or means that you would want people to follow you or watch or, or learn or enjoy the world that is Mark Humphreys? You know, I'm going to be honest that I'm sort of slowly um, removing myself from um, social media. Um, when I say removing myself, I'm just not paying, giving it as much attention as I, as I used to. I just think that Twitter has become a really – uh, there's so much on Twitter that I, I don't like. I think there's so much negativity and, and really just awfulness. Um, and I just kind of, not like it, not that it's directed, I don't mean that it's directed at me, I just mean just generally. Um, yep. And it's such an angry place. I think that's what it's, it's really become. So I'm at Humphrey's Mark. I'm, I think I'll occasionally try and tweet something of, of amusement, but yeah, don't don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'll come back at some point and really give it a, a, a good go when I when I need to plug something. But uh, yeah, I'm just just a little bit disillusioned with that whole world. So yeah, I'm on Twitter at Humphreys Mark. I'm on Facebook at Mark Humphreys Comedy. I'm around, you know. 
Say hi, if you'd Andrew. like to catch up with Mark, go around to his place That's and just it. shout through his front window. <laughs> That's as good as anything, really. I'd love that. Thank you, Mark, and thank you, everyone else, for joining us this week on Mulks TV Talk, the podcast made for DeciderTV.com. This week, check out, well, my preview of Here Come the Habibs, my preview of First Dates, or pretty much any of the other news that's going on, because there's tons. Decider TV has got it all. In the meantime, you can follow me at Twitter at Talk and find me on Facebook and Instagram at thosethings.com slash Talk. New episodes are out when I get the chance, so make sure you subscribe via iTunes or you're going to miss it. Please do leave a sweet review. Tune in next week when you'll hear Mark Humphrey say... Shout through my window. Good night. <laughs> Sorry. I always, think, I always forget that there's that bit at the end. Uh, and that's the best thing. 